Well, it's great to be together, isn't it? How good it is. And it's great to have our, um, our two different congregations joining together, particularly as we come to uh, work through a book like Ephesians, and we're talking about the church and God's plan for the church. And we are blessed, I mean, to be led in worship by the team we have now, to, um, for Julia and, uh, and Lou to be leading us, for, for Luke to be doing that online with our kids. Um, I just want to thank all those that have been involved and continue to be involved in this place. Um, yes, living this out. God's church in action together. Well, as I said, we're starting a, a new series in Ephesians, and what a fantastic book it is. Um, talking about a miracle. That's what Paul's on about, the miracle of the church. Well, I can remember another miracle. I can remember the moment that the miracle was, uh, was birthed, uh, literally. And not long after, I took this little miracle in my hands. And uh, so tiny and so small... I started to ask the question, could this be true? Could I have had a part in bringing this miracle about? A little later, my daughter uh, opened her eyes and, uh, and gave me a smile. Well, that's what I thought it was until we had a friend that said, Brian, don't you know that a child cannot smile for the first six weeks of its life because the muscles around the mouth haven't been developed? So really what you're experiencing was... Um, it was the wind that was coming through your child and she was grimacing. So that certainly took the wind out of my sails to think what I thought was her smiling at me was really just wind in her body. The miracle of new life, the wonder of new birth. And I remember sitting there with her in my arms and giving thanks to God for this amazing, precious little gift and praying with Lynn over her that she would know one day all the plans that God had for her and that those plans would be found through a relationship with Jesus Christ, that she would find that God was for her, that God was on her side, that God had plans that were truly amazing for her. And I want to pause here now and look at the camera and just say, um, uh, boys, um, our boys, if you're watching, we did pray the same prayer over you <laughs> and we did thank God for you in the same way. You know, you've got to make sure we do that as parents, don't we? You know, but I can still feel the emotion now, the emotion of creation. And as we get to this uh, book of Ephesians, it's almost like Paul has lifted um, the lid on what might be a macro and close up look of God. And he's pulled the camera lens back from something that is quite uh, small and intricate to take in the big expanse of God's plan in all creation. And he is filled with so much joy and so much wonder of who God is and of what God has planned for us. So he, he cries out, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In Christ Jesus. When you go through the Greek, not that I'm a Greek student at all, but if you were to read that in the Greek, can you believe that verses 3 to 14, those 12 verses inclusive, are one sentence? One sentence. Such is Paul's joy and desire just to blurt out everything that God has given us. He was so filled with praise and so, and so filled with awe, he can't contain himself. 
And I think we will be as we open up this amazing book. For those that are listening today, if you're wondering whether you're here as an accident, whether this world is an accident, whether this world has just happened when you know, atoms collided and, and everything was flung into existence. If you're someone here who has battles with your own identity, where do I fit? Is there a place for me in this world? For those that might be wondering um, how we're going to survive in these anxious times in this world, is there a God who is really in control? Are we safe? What's going to happen? This book answers all those questions. Indeed, this first chapter, we can see right back before the creation of the world. Right back before the creation of the world, you were on the mind of God. Can you believe it? Even before the world was created, you were on the mind of God. God knew that you would be born. God had a plan and a purpose for you. And God had planned that you and I would find our identity in Jesus Christ through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right back there, before the world was even formed, God found that God had planned that he would send Jesus. Jesus wasn't a plan B. Jesus wasn't a plan B because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and that part of God's plan fell apart. It wasn't like God said, well, that didn't work, did it? Garden of Eden. Now, what's my next plan? I better send along Jesus. God planned right before the creation of the world, as we read in verse 4, that he would send Jesus, and in Jesus and through Jesus, that we, as his church, would be presented holy and blameless to God the Father. That is an amazing truth. Friends, if you're sitting here today and you're wondering how you happen to be here, today the scriptures say you're not here by chance. God has a plan and it has a purpose for you. And because of the life and the death of the resur- and the resurrection of Jesus, we can take hold of hope. We can know who we are. We can live life that is filled and fulfilled. And in verse 9 and 10, Paul goes on to say, these things have already been accomplished. The things that the Father planned before the foundation of the world have now come to pass because of who Jesus is and because of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And so we can take hold of that inheritance. And the inheritance that you and I have as Christians is not something that we're going to have to wait until we die to take hold of. The inheritance of a Christian is not, you know, kind of pie in the sky when we die type of stuff. The inheritance of every Christian is new life in Christ. Here and right now. And so Paul is writing to say all these things have been undertaken. All these things have been fulfilled through Jesus. And we have access to that. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, that was evidence that his work was finished. The curtain in the temple was torn in two. We could have full and free access right into the presence of our Heavenly Father. And as evidence of that, All of us who have faith in Jesus Christ have received the Holy Spirit. He is our deposit. He is our inheritance. He is our guarantee of what will come. 
And what an abundance of spiritual blessings we have in Christ. And I'm not going to go and unpack every single one of those. We could, we could spend a sermon or more on each and every aspect of the spiritual blessings. But look at those. We have been blessed with, blessed with every spiritual blessing. We've been chosen in Christ, adopted as sons and daughters. We're constant recipients of his grace. We're redeemed in Christ and through Christ. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been given wisdom and understanding. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, a guarantee that God's given us now and forevermore. All these things are available to us now. So we've been chosen, we've been accepted, we've been adopted, we've been forgiven, we've been loved. We've been given the Spirit of God as we come home to the Father through the things that he planned even before the earth was formed. What a reason to rejoice. It's in Christ that you and I find what we are living for. And while you and I might not have every material blessing that we might want, after all, Paul wrote this letter from prison. Hardly the, the material blessing that he would have wanted to enjoy. We do have every spiritual blessing that is available to us. And yet, I know that sometimes we can struggle to take hold of that. Sometimes we can live lives and we think, well, where is this blessing that I've been promised in Jesus? And I know many can struggle with a low self-image. Psychological surveys reveal that time and time again. And Paul knew too that we would struggle to take hold of these blessings. And that's why the rest of Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15 to the end of the chapter is Paul's prayer. His prayer for us that we might be able to take hold of those spiritual blessings that are available to us, that are ours in Jesus Christ, because he knew it was going to be a battle. He knew we would struggle to do it. Why do we struggle to do it is the question. There might be someone here today who's saying, you know what, there are aspects of that. I'm still searching for some of my identity. I read these words in, in Scripture, but I still don't feel like I've been chosen by God, adopted into his family. I still don't feel forgiven sometimes. As I said, there are surveys of, of Christians that would, where they're honestly answering that. Why is it so hard for us to accept spiritual blessings? Well, I can only tell you what my journey was like as a young bloke. And the reason I struggled to accept some of that is because I had trouble resting in grace. I had trouble accepting the grace of God. You see, you and I are so conditioned from a young age to believe that we've got to work to achieve acceptance. Acceptance by people, acceptance by our peers, acceptance by our employer. We've got to perform to be accepted. Our whole world ethos is around performance to gain acceptance. We've been so conditioned to believe that if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. That there's no such thing as a free lunch. You know, that the only time that success comes before work is in the dictionary. All those words and these sayings that we hear and we struggle just to take hold of things. From a young age, we're taught to be responsible citizens, to do all these different things. 
to gain acceptance. It starts very young. I've told you one of my demeaning experiences with Miss Higgs, my Miss Higgs, my teacher, when I forgot to bring my handkerchief to school and I thought the whole world had fallen apart. But, you know, that was just one of the things you're expected to do to measure up. And we see that in our sport. You know, you don't turn up to training. You don't, you don't play. And some of these things are very good. Don't get me wrong. But we are conditioned all the way through to achieve. To achieve. In the Christian life, for those of us that have been brought up in good Christian families, the same thing has happened. I remember as a young kid, you know, my, my church life would start 9.30am Sunday school, 11 o'clock would be our morning service, 3 o'clock Christian Endeavour, 7 o'clock the uh, evening youth service and once a month we would have a, a youth service, a youth tea, fellowship tea at 5 o'clock, another once a month a men's tea at 5 o'clock and life became one long regimented Sunday of performance or attendance. And I was expected to go through all those because, after all, at the end of that, we were meant to get the results. But what were the results meant to be? The results certainly, in my case, didn't turn me through that experience into a, a young, vibrant Christian whose life had been transformed through the Holy Spirit's work in my life. Rather, what it did for many years was conform me to a legalistic little rule keeper or part-time rule keeper because the Spirit of God hadn't changed my life and I couldn't, I couldn't live the life the way I wanted to. And I often felt defeated and I wasn't measuring up because I've adopted or tried to adopt a Christian lifestyle rather than to take hold of new life in Jesus. And that's what Paul's talking about. Paul's actually saying to us, I want to talk to you about spiritual blessings. These are the things that have happened. Forget about works. Come to Jesus. Acknowledge that he's changed your life and he wants to keep on changing your life by the power of the Holy Spirit and your life will be different. Do you want to take hold of the spiritual blessings in a new way? I think there are some keys for us. I think there are keys for us as we do it. Firstly, we need to meditate on the passages of grace in the Bible, like Ephesians chapter 1. And as I've done that this week, um, my own spirit has been so energised. Lynn thought I was crazy every day I'm walking around the, the house singing the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, just to know that God loves me, you know. Getting in, involved with the, with the grace passages of Scripture and filling our hearts with the truth of the blessings that we already have in Christ are important for us. We need to keep immersing ourselves in that. And then we need to pray. That's why the rest of Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul gives us a model of prayer. And note that none of his three prayers here, his three areas of focus, are about prayers for our material blessings. Nothing wrong with praying that God will provide our needs after all. What we call the Lord's Prayer is all about that. Give us today our daily bread. But here, Paul's concentration is on the fact that we find it so hard to take hold of spiritual blessings. And he is praying three specific things. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation so that you may know him better. So Paul's prayer for them and our prayer for ourselves is that we should be, that we might know him better. How do we do that? How do we do that? We spend time in the word of God. Spend time in these grace passages. Recognize that we've already been blessed. I think too often as Christians we're after another blessing somewhere. We're always seeking some new experience. What this passage of scripture tells me is that we have all the spiritual blessings. I'm not saying we shouldn't ask that God would do a new thing in our life. Far from it. We need to keep asking for that. But all the spiritual blessings have been given to us. We need to keep listening to God. Keep reading the scriptures. And asking that in our quiet times of meditation, our eyes will be opened that we might know God better. That we might know God better. As we spend time meditating on him. The second thing Paul prayed. He prays that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We can rest secure in who Jesus is. Our inheritance is secure. We are God's adopted children. We are co-heirs with Christ. And the Apostle Peter tells us that the inheritance that we have is something that cannot fade or, or perish or spoil. Can't be taken away. Our hope's not a vague feeling, but it's a complete assurance. A complete assurance of what God has done. And we need to be praying that our eyes will be open to see that. And to see the hope that we have all because of Jesus. And then his third prayer is a prayer that we might know God's power. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. We need to pray that we will keep experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is healing and forgiveness and power through the blood of Jesus. And we need to keep praying that we might take hold of that power that God has. As we pray for people to experience healing that God might have for them. As we pray for those, those in our family who have wandered away from the Lord and still haven't found a relationship with Jesus Christ. As we pray for our friends, praying God's power over them and into that situation that God might break through that might, God might bring about his will in their lives. So there are three things. The first one, as I said, was to meditate on the grace passages of Scripture. The second one, to pray with those three areas of focus. And the third thing that we can do is simply to choose grace. And grace is a choice. Choose grace. Choose to believe grace. Choose to live in grace. Because grace is a choice. And that was hammered home to me a little over 10 years ago when I saw that unfold just in a situation where I had a mate um, who, um, who rang me one day 
He was a non-Christian friend and um, he coughed up blood. He rang me to say, look, you know, can I go and see him? He'd coughed up blood one day and he went off to the doctor. One of the few times in his life he'd ever been to the doctor. The doctor, they did tests and scans and they found that he had advanced lung cancer. And he said, the crazy thing is, I feel the best I've ever felt, but they reckon I'll be dead within three to four months. And so I sat with this man and I spoke to him. He knew I was a Christian. And, um, and we sat, and, I, and I, as I sat with him, I asked him where he thought he'd be spending eternity. Did he want to know what a relationship with Jesus Christ was all about? And he looked at me and he said something I've, I've never, ever forgotten. And he said, Brian, I couldn't do that. For the last 50, over 50 years, I've lived my life without any thought of God at all. How can I, with integrity, now turn and say, I need God in my life now? Talk about a statement. He was a man of integrity. Barry, a lovely, lovely non-Christian fellow. And I sat with him and I said, you know, from a human point of view, what you're saying is right. But God doesn't operate to our standards. And uh, I had my Bible with me because he told me what it was all about. And I opened up the Bible to Matthew chapter 20. And I read to him about the parable of the uh, workers in the vineyard. And you know that story where the workers went into the vineyard and, and the landowner wanted people to come. And for those that came, he promised to pay them a certain amount of money. Some came and they started early in the day. And others kept on coming throughout the day. And they kept on working. And others started at the 11th hour. And when it came time to pay each of the workers in the vineyard, what happened? They all got paid exactly the same amount of money. And I said, Barry, this is a picture. This is the way God operates. It's not the way you and I would operate. It's not what we would call human integrity in a way. But God is a God of grace. God simply wants you to come home. And um, I visited him some more times and I, I printed out Matthew chapter 20, took that back to him and had that there. I said, I want you to put that beside your table. To my knowledge, um, Barry didn't make that decision. I saw him probably a few days before he passed away. But his wife Margaret was there while we were talking about all these things on each of our visits. And Margaret on one of the times said, Brian, I want to take hold of this. I understand this. I want Jesus in my life. And so she prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to come into her life. And in one of those strange twists of life, about three years after Barry passed away, Margaret developed the same type of lung cancer, was on a ventilator and dead within four months. And yet the way that Margaret approached her death was so different. I would go and different times read the Bible to her, and she knew that she had a place to go to. She knew that God had chosen and adopted and accepted her. Absolutely amazing. And I saw there the distinction of choosing grace or choosing to walk in the way that we think makes sense to man. God's ways aren't our ways. 
Neither is his thoughts our thoughts. And right there, to see that so graphically with two lives. Friends, we can choose to walk in the blessings of Jesus each and every day. Or we can choose to keep trying to measure up in a way that doesn't give us satisfaction. I don't know where you are. If you're listening um, today, you might be someone that doesn't normally tune in. I want to say to you today that God has a plan for you even before the foundation of the world. God knew that you would be born and he wants you to come into a relationship with him. And I'd urge you to do that as you bask in the wonder of God's love. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do. We want to thank you. Lord, the gospel in many ways doesn't make a lot of sense to us because we're so conditioned to want to merit your favour. And yet your word clearly tells us that because of Jesus, we can have life. You invite us to come and to take hold of his finished work on the cross and to give you praise and to give you thanks and to simply say thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have done it all. I put my hope and I put my trust in you. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Amen.